Diversity opens a world of opportunity by bringing together different points of view, helping businesses spark innovation. Altrada's Global Gender Diversity Report found that having a woman in the C-suite leads to even more diversity in the organization. So why are women underrepresented in the C-suite? Welcome to Keys to the Future podcast. I'm Gabby Coe, a systems engineering fellow at one of the most successful engineering companies in the world. I'd like to inspire you to stay focused on your STEM education and career journeys through conversations with my guests. Let's get started. The C-suite is a term used to refer to the high-ranking executive titles of an organization. The C stands for chief. For example, chief executive officer, chief operating officer, chief financial officer, and chief information officer are the most common titles. People who achieve this level are considered the most powerful and influential members of their organizations. They are the visionaries and set their organization's strategy, make high-stake decisions, and ensure day-to-day operations align with fulfilling the company's strategic goals. Historically, men have occupied these positions, and although small gains in representation have occurred in the last decade, the McKinsey & Company and LeanIn.org Women in the Workplace 2022 report reveals that women continue to be significantly underrepresented in these senior leadership roles. Specifically, only one in four C-suite leaders is a woman. This season, I'm highlighting stories from the C-suite and I'm very excited and curious to learn from some amazing women who have achieved this level. Let's talk to our guest, a woman in the C-suite, to gain insights into her journey to the top. Our guest today is Nadine Alamant, a seasoned technical and business professional passionate about information sharing with over 20 years of experience in the application of geospatial interoperability standards in several industries to include aviation, defense and intelligence, public safety, and earth observations. She enjoys building and working with motivated diverse teams to deliver customer-focused solutions and is a recognized leader in the International Geospatial Interoperability Standards and Aviation Information Management Modernization. Nadine has a Bachelor of Engineering degree from the American University of Beirut, a Master of Science in Civil and Environmental Engineering and Information Systems Practice, Master of City Planning and Geographic Information, and a Doctorate in Computer and Information Systems Engineering from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. She is the Chief Executive Officer of the Open Geospatial Consortium, a global consortium representing over 500 industry, government, research, and academic organizations collaborating on making location information FAIR, which stands for Findable, Accessible, Interoperable, and Reusable. Nadine, thank you so much for sharing your perspective with our Keys to the Future community. Gabby, thank you so much for having me here. I'm very excited. So it's been a little while since we last connected, and I am really excited. I've been watching you and following your career take off, meanwhile. So congratulations. The C-suite, I'm very curious about your journey to being a chief executive officer. Take me back to your early career self. Did you always know that you wanted to be the CEO of an organization, and was that part of your career roadmap? And if not, at what point did you realize that it was achievable and what steps did you did you take to get there? Uh, no. <laughs> the answer 
had no clue, right? It wasn't part of a roadmap. I think I'm, I'm very grateful that I am where I am right now. I don't think the roadmap was I want to be a, a CEO or a president or a leader or any of these. I just wanted to make an impact. And I think I'm more on the impatient side. So I wanted to make an impact. I wanted it quick. And I have a lot of ideas. And I think this is where people gravitate towards becoming leaders without actually having a plan to become a leader. You just want to influence. You want to have your ideas become reality. You want to drive change. So you do it and you energize other people around you and you get it done. So I don't think this part about when did I realize it's achievable? I don't know if I ever realized it's like life is just uh, you keep going so these podcasts are also a great opportunity to sort of reflect but I think overall I think I'm fearless in general if you say jump I jump I left my country I've changed jobs I grabbed opportunities I've started a business twice so far so I think it's this combination of I'm passionate I'm impatient I think I'm, I'm confident of my technical skills, but I also love learning new stuff and connecting with other people, which is the business part and the management part. And I love hunting for new opportunities. And I think that's where it's just, I don't realize it's achievable. It just becomes achievable. I love that. I heard you say you wanted to make an impact, which I see that as your why. That's what's driving you and influencing others to drive that change. And I love it when you said energize others, other people around you. So surrounding yourself with others that are contributing to the change that you want to make. Fearless. Wow. Yes. I And I see you as fearless. I do. Fearless, I, I, crazy. <laughs> can go both ways. Sometimes crazy is good. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And seizing the opportunities when, when they're in front of us. Love of learning. I love, I love all the things that you mentioned that's driving you to where you are. And what is it like to be the CEO of the Open Geospatial Consortium? I mean, this is representing over 500 organizations. I think it's amazing <laughs> because, uh, you know, when you talk about being at the right place at the right time, and this is the time for location or geospatial, whatever you want to call it, but like from satellites uh, being launched, the imagery from space, the connected vehicles, the Internet of Things, tracking shipment worldwide and the impact of pandemics on supply chain or disasters, the Turkey-Syria disaster. Think about this is a geospatial problem. So how do you get the help where it's most needed? How do you deploy resources? And then how do you prepare? It's all geospatial. So representing the 500 organizations, you know, like the largest organization of geospatial problem solvers is amazing because I get to work in the same day with governments all mm -hmm. over the world. Uh, think NASA or European Space Agency or NGA or DHS or FAA, the UK Ordnance Survey or Hydrographic Office or Defense Science Technology Lab, Natural Resources Canada, Singapore Land Authority, Geoscience Australia. I mean, I can go on. It's just like, it's amazing. This is all in one day, but at the same time, 
to be in a position where you can also connect equally, actually even more with industry, the private sector. And my kids are always like, wow, this is so cool because I get to talk to Google and AWS and Microsoft and Apple and Epic Games and Maxar mm-hmm. and Planet and Satellogic and all these new start- startups in AI. So what is it like to be the CEO of OGC? It's it's amazing because it's a time of opportunities and when you have an organization that has the best players in the field imagine what you can do with a consortium bringing people together and just solving some problems so exciting inspiring amazing that's awesome and i imagine it's a very logistics problem right like how do you connect with all those entities and people across the world so it's non-stop first of all it's non-stop because it's global but honestly i love that you said your why it's non-stop because of the why the thing is there are so many problems that we could solve by bringing these people together i mentioned the earthquake you've got the hurricanes climate change there are issues with our marine infrastructure, with our health infrastructure. I mean, literally, you can just go down the line. And I think that's why it's 24 hours, but at the same time, so inspiring. Because these are not theoretical problems. They're real. They're like impacts yeah. you and me and everybody we know, and especially our kids and future generations. Somebody told me one time, it's like, oh, don't come to me if it's a simple thing. <laughs> Please come to me with the <laughs> complex stuff. And I, you know, some of us are energized by a real challenge, and this is one of them. That's amazing. So we might imagine the C-suite as a glamorous space, people jet-setting from meeting to meeting and solving all these big problems that you just mentioned for our society. But what is the common myth about your position? <laughs> I'm just laughing because my son, I think he was three years old, I have two boys, now they're 11 and 15, but when he was three and I was like traveling and he said, what do you do at these conferences? Do you dance all the time? (laughs) 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 Which is, yeah, so cute. But um, I think, yeah, you said it, the common myth is, oh, we go around and go to conferences and, you know, we give speech and we participate in events and we travel the world. And I think it's all true, but what I tell people is actually that's not the work at all. When going out, it's to communicate about the work that you're doing. So people see the outreach part, but they don't see the work work part, whether it's managing a global team, the staff to support the organization or to coordinate the activities across government, academia, and private sector in all these different geographies and domains and whether what needs to be done on the technical side. So eventually we develop standards, we write best practices. So there's a lot of work to actually drive technical change and adoption and modernization, uh, which is also a lot of work. And then just managing these big projects like building blocks for climate services or disaster readiness guides. Uh, And I think none of that is easy. I keep saying people don't realize that collaboration is hard work. 
consensus is hard work. Uh, standards development is hard work. Getting competitors together. So when I listed from whether it's Google, Microsoft, or Max Hard Planet, or any combination of these companies, getting competitors to work together is hard work. But it's not just fancy travel all around the world. Absolutely. Yep. There's a lot of moving and shaking because, like you said, collaboration and consensus, those are the things that we must work through. That's the hard problems. And how do you communicate yes. the problem and the possible solutions so that we understand each other and working through all of those challenges? That's the hard work at the end of the day. So what is the most important lesson you have learned over your career so far? Many. Sometimes you learn the same lesson more than once, which I don't know if this is a good thing or not. But <laughs> let me see. Go with the flow. Don't overthink. Control what you can control and don't stress about the stuff that's outside of your control. One of my biggest lessons is not just the career part, but personally. And I think, you know, maybe as a woman, trusting my instincts. So now I keep repeating this to myself, to my kids, to everybody I know when they ask me, you know, what should I do? And it's like, what does your instinct tell you? I mean, it's like most of the time it's right. So trust it. Just trust mm -hmm. your instinct. I think this is related to, I think, go with the flow that things are going to be okay if you do your part. So I keep telling people, somebody gives you a task, give it everything that you have. Just give it up. Not because of the company or the project because you want to do it for you. And I strongly, strongly believe that no hard work goes unrewarded. You may not get the immediate reward, but I've never been in a situation when I regretted putting so much work into something. It will come back. I go back to be fearless. Don't be scared. It's going to be okay. Trust your instinct. Don't be afraid to think big. My mom used to say, stop looking up you're going to break your neck. But what's the worst? You come back where you are. Right? So don't be afraid to jump and, or grab an opportunity or start a job or begin an initiative. That's why I'm so proud of you, Gabby. You start a podcast. It's like, just do it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, so it's many, many things. I really like the trust your instinct, especially as a woman and, and in this mm -hmm. field. The technology mm -hmm. field is a tough field regardless, but as a woman in technology, I believe it's a little tougher in some of the environments that we work in. And trusting your instinct is one that really yes. caught my attention because I think as women, sometimes we have that uh, imposter syndrome. So we need to like get out of that mode and just like you said, yeah. be fearless. I love it. There's that saying that time is everything. Have you ever been in situations as a woman in technology? We were just talking about some of the challenges here. Have you ever been in situations where your career plan just didn't work out because the timing wasn't right? And how did you handle that? I think yes. So usually I try not to look back on things and find the bad stuff. I'm a very positive person. You know, you look back and get the lessons learned, but I say regret is not an option. Well, you did it. Move on. But I think mm -hmm. now that you ask the question, there have been a couple of instances where timing, you know, for instance, when I started my first business after like a few years after leaving MIT, the emphasis, you know how 
nowadays, if you're a government contractor here in the U.S., there's this emphasis on women-owned businesses and supporting them and all of that. We didn't have that at the time. And this was not mm. a long time ago. It wasn't that serious, I think. So you really had to fight your fight. And I think we kind of missed the bus on that one because we were two women starting a business and th there was none of this that support you with quotas or, or any of that. That didn't stop us because if there's a will, there's a way. It's not just a cliche, but uh, I would do things differently now. There's also this experience because I started a startup in aviation and mm -hmm. the timing in that case, it was more of a timing of market and technology. We were a business who did essentially a novel way for uh, information management, for aeronautical information. And the timing was not quite right because we were at the beginning of the beginning of the beginning of cloud. So, and sometimes, you know what they say, it's not that good to be the first or one of the first because you encounter all the issues and then everybody catches on in like two years. So I think in that way, also you look back and you go, we had everything, but it was an unbelievable struggle because the market was not ready for us. So you win awards for innovation and everybody loves you, but <laughs> you don't get the work. And then give it two years and everybody all of a sudden was, you know, on the cloud and microservices and all of that. So it's like, it's, it's timing is, is everything in that case with startups. That's really interesting. And you also mentioned regrets is not an option. I really love that comment because you got to be able to move forward, take your lessons learned and keep moving forward. The regret is sometimes, even the little things, sometimes you're in a meeting and you say something and you, you know how we go back. And I think also this is a woman thing when you go back and you repeat the whole conversation in your head. Oh my God, did I say this? I should have said this. Like, oh, you, you say, stop it. Just stop it. It's gone. And most of the time, nobody remembers. Move on. I apply that, I think, with things small or big. You trip at a conference because you're wearing high heels. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. So I tripped. Move on. Move on. Don't look back. Just keep going. I love that. I'm sure that every position you've held so far has prepared you for where you are. And investing in yourself is so important to gain knowledge and new skills. What kind of personal investments have you made that help you get to where you are today? You know, I, I don't know, because they're not discrete investments. I think mostly I would say it's investing time, which is a big investment, talking to people. You and I, you remember when we used to do these walks? Yes. It's not because of a project, and it's not that we were working together or anything, right? It's like connecting to people, because it's, to me, the best sort of mentorship and way to learn new things because then you don't have one mentor you have many i love reading business books overall you know listening to podcasts now over the pandemic i don't know if it's an investment or not is it like this curiosity there's this constant curiosity about new technology so it's just like reading little things as they appear on my feed and more connections i'm not ashamed of reaching out to people on linkedin and say hey i read your article i'd like to talk to you and guess what nine out of ten people say yes let's talk because they want to connect as well so i think maybe just really time maybe the investment is time to do all of this, to actually connect, to keep up. I don't know if I'm answering the question, but that's 
that's how I feel. Yeah, I think I absolutely agree because you're investing time to connect with those people and then you're learning from them and exchanging your ideas with them as well. And you're investing your time, your ideas, they're sharing your ideas with you and learning, having a common understanding of what that problem may be that they're trying to solve or maybe you're trying to solve and perhaps they have a solution or you have a solution for them. So I really like that input. Now that you mention it, when you talk about investing um, in yourself, uh, fitness, I'm a jazzercise instructor. So I run this mini studio with a friend of mine. It's a franchise, so you you know manage the business, the students, and of course the choreography. And I teach about three to four classes a week when I'm in town. But that's mm-hmm. to me, when you talk about investments, now I'm thinking that's a huge investment because I actually say this hour is for me. Don't bother me. I have to dance now. <laughs> And I think it helps in so many ways. It helps you get out of your day-to-day and with your kids and your jobs. It's like something that's really, really yours. And then we talk about connections. It connects you to totally different demographics, which is amazing. It's just amazing. Totally different people who are there just to dance. And so I think that's definitely an investment. It's a conscious effort. I love it. I have to check that out. Yeah, no, you're. I'm recruiting you right now. It's not a hard job to uh, recruit me for anything exercise related. So as a woman in the C-suite, what are some of the challenges you, that you have faced and how did you handle them? This is the part I th- that we really need to get better at. First of all, there aren't too many of us. So still walking to a meeting, you're still one of very, very few. And so just emotionally, and this is something other people don't understand. You have to be a woman. You have to be in this because that's why we talk a lot these days, forget about women, diversity, right? When you walk into a meeting or a job or an event or anything in a room and you don't see other people like you, just emotionally, we're human beings, you retract a little bit. You're like, oh, am I here? Am mm-hmm. I supposed to be here? Am I not supposed to be here? I think it's, hard so in geospatial in fact yeah we're still we're talking a lot about this topic i think a lot of companies and organizations are investing in this but it's still hard i think it's the problem also that it's subtle so um as a woman i feel that i always have to prove myself first and a lot before they take me seriously there have been many instances and and i hear it all the time and i've experiences a lot where you're in a meeting supposedly you're the ceo or you're the manager or whatever but actually they don't even address you when they're talking they address the guys for example on the mm-hmm. scene because like this unconscious bias so it's like you have to learn to survive and to thrive you have to learn then to stand up for yourself and to keep saying hey I'm here, and it happened, I kid you not, as, so even uh, what is, last week, I uh, was at an event, and I had two members of my team, two men, and myself, this was in a room of 30 people, and the speaker, he said, I'm very happy to have, uh, you know, folks from OGC, thank you, Mr. X and Mr. Y, and I was like, hello, and it's, it's, it's not, it's not intentional. That's the unconscious part. 
But at the same time, these people have been, this is going to sound horrible, but it's true. It's been a boys club. It's been a boys club, and I'm not part of the boys club still. They have to, to, to think a little bit harder for me to be totally part of that club. And I get it, and I think this is why we're pushing a lot for diversity these days, because, again, there's nothing malicious about it, but these guys have worked with each other for the last 20, 30 years, and we are appearing on the scene very recently. What I tell people is I've realized recently that I'm actually still not part of the network, inherently part of the network. I'll give you another example. So recently, uh, a good friend of mine, and he's retired. So he got pulled in into one of the big companies to build a whole new division of something big. And I'm like, I'm so excited for you. Three months later, I'm like, how are you doing? He said, well, I have a team of 27 people. And I said, wow, where did you get 27 people <laughs> in three mm -hmm. months? You know, you know how competitive it is. And he's like, oh. It was easy. I used to work with John at this company, and then I worked with Andrew at this company, and I worked with Mike, and I'm like, oh, my God, they're all men. And again, he's like, yeah, because I've worked with them in the past. And I was like, you don't even think about me. I'm not in your network. You've never worked with me. And again, I think that's why I appreciate a lot, Gabby, this opportunity that, you know, we record this together because we're, we're trying to say, you know, part of this is like, hey, hey, we are part of this network. And guess what? We bring our own network, too. And that's why I've been pushing a lot on connecting with other women because we're building right now this powerful network. Not that we want women versus men, or white versus black or any of this. But it's that power of a network. And I think what we're trying to do is to just have one big inclusive network. I was invited to moderate a panel on diversity and inclusion. And then one of the panelists invited me to take his course afterwards. So he does this for a living. Courses, mm -hmm. workshops for the government here in the U.S. And I took it. And the one thing that I loved that I took out of the whole course was he said, not about inclusion or diversity or anything. Eventually, it's about belonging. Do you feel that you belong? It's not about inviting you to the party <laughs> because we are Absolutely. being invited as women. We're being invited right. in a big time, but are we, you know, do we feel like we belong yet? I would say no, not yet. So I, I, I digressed, but you opened the... <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. Those are the challenges, uh, and I think that happens at every level. Although we see more women coming into the technical ranks and filling up the more senior levels, but we still have a journey to go. Absolutely. Yeah, and the C-level suite, I was literally just tagged on LinkedIn. What did it say? It's like the International Day for Women in Science, I think. But it, it said 3% of tech CEOs are women. So this this is when you say, yeah, when you walk into a room and you're three out of 100, regardless of how amazing you think you are or you are or what you've done, you're still only three out of 100. It can be intimidating. That brings us kind of like to my next question. And I appreciate your journey. 
and the challenges and how you've handled the challenges. And now for our audience who are finding themselves in early, mid-career professionals, what are some of the tools that they would need in their toolbox to kind of deal with some of these challenges that Mm -hmm. we face, especially as women going through the ranks and getting to the higher ranks? What are some of those tools that you think they should have in their toolbox to be successful? So this is a difficult question, but I think I would start with the simple stuff. You have to know your stuff, period. You have Mm -hmm. to know your stuff. Don't be arrogant. I'm not saying go be arrogant, but uh, you have to know your stuff. Reading about things is different from doing it. So actually just invest into practical experiences to build your toolbox. This is on the capabilities the competency part of the mm-hmm. equation. You got to know your stuff. Don't BS, don't fake mm-hmm. it. You hurt yourself. You hurt us all as well. So I think that's one. The other one I think which is related to us, like know your technical stuff, but also uh, learn to speak up. I know some people hate Cheryl Sandberg. Some people love her. But either way, I think when we talk about leaning in, don't wait to be invited. You've got to speak up. And I think here the tool and the toolbox is investing in communication skills, whether it's verbal communication skills or written, because eventually it's how everything gets communicated. That's what we do eventually. We are human beings, and that's how we connect. And I keep telling my kids this as well. It can't be all games and on your phone. Eventually, you either have to write mm-hmm something or say something to somebody. <laughs> so speak up, invest in communication. And I think the other the other one, so know your stuff, invest in communication skills. And I would say related to your earlier question, connect, connect, connect. Because that's the best way to learn from other people. And the more you connect, the more it gets easier to connect. And it's and it's just energizing. Absolutely. I love that connection with people, learning to communicate. You can be the best inventor, but you've got to communicate that invention. you got to learn how to do it and be able to, to communicate your, your ideas. I love that. Yeah. So here are some rapid-fire questions for you. What was your first job? Non-internship. I was a project manager supporting NASA Applied Sciences Program. That's how I got hooked on sort of space and science and uh, geospatial interoperability and standards. What about who's your superhero? On a personal level, my brother is our hero. He was born deaf and he's now thriving, being an amazing graphic designer and videographer. The things that he has had to overcome between being born in Lebanon and during the war and being deaf and not speaking English is definitely, he's definitely a hero. On a professional level, I love Bill Gates. I love how he built Microsoft. I love what he's doing right now. And I met him once too, so it's so cool. What books or books are you reading now? Are you going to think I'm a geek? But I have this thing called The Three Laws of Performance. It's a business book. I like these things. It's uh, it's the three laws of performance, rewriting the future of your organization and your life. I'll let you know if it's really good or not. 
Nadine, thank you so much for taking time from your busy schedule and sharing your journey with us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy we reconnected. I'm so happy that you have this podcast. In closing, remember that you're not alone in your educational or career journey. Seek to form a community around you that will encourage you to be the best version of yourself and accomplish your goals. Thanks to my guest, Nadine Alamek, CEO of the Open Geospatial Consortium. Thanks to Roger Coe for endless reviews and encouragement. And thanks to Joe always. Keys to the Future podcast is available anywhere you get your podcasts. You can follow Keys to the Future on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening. I'm Gabby Coe, and I'll be back next week with another episode of Keys to the Future. Thank you.